Good morning. morning. Heard that. Sounds a little loud. (laughs) So, uh, how about today? It's a weird day for the world, huh? Um, Praise God for each and every one of you that have taken the time out to come here and hear a message from God and just be in God's house. Because, I mean, think about today, right? First of all, it's February 2nd, 2020, so 0202-2020. (laughs) And then it's also, how about uh, rodent day? I mean, groundhog day. (laughs) So there's a lot of people celebrating the ultimate weatherman right now. Not really. We're here to worship the ultimate weatherman. And he will determine whether there's six more weeks of spring or not. Even though the groundhog has said six more, or spring will be early this year, so... And then uh, lastly, how about it, Super Bowl Sunday, all in one day. A lot of uh, worshiping going on (laughs) other than the God we love and adore. (laughs) Um, So uh, just absolutely amazing. So I thank you for being here today. With all the stuff going on, you could be elsewhere, but you chose to be here. Praise you and thank you. Uh, So my title today uh, comes from a a Pharisee who is asking Jesus this question. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? So today we're going to open our Bibles up to Matthew 22, 34 through 40, and read about a little uh, confrontation that was between Jesus and Pharisees. So while you're turning there, uh, let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, please give me the words that you want me to say today. Guide my thoughts, direct my words, that you would be greater and I would be less. Let your light shine through this place today and please lessen the darkness we hold in our hearts. Reveal to us today the sin we may have become comfortable with and the sin that we try to hide within us. You see all and know all. Grow us in your ways. Show us how we can build our love for you greater today than even it was yesterday. A love stronger that we will have tomorrow, Lord. Each and every day, one step closer to being more like you. Dear Lord, let the ones that know you as their Savior here today take in more of you and those who may not know you See the need for you in this broken world. We love you, Lord, and it's in your sweet and precious name I pray. Amen. So if you're able um, to stand for the reading of God's Word, we're in Matthew 22, starting with verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You may be seated. Thank you. So there's the answer. Have a nice day. I hope you enjoyed this. (laughs) 
So first of all, a little background, right? What's going on here at this time. It is Passover week. Jesus came into Jerusalem to the shouts of great crowds cheering Hosanna, just praising and worshiping. But the Sadducees, the Pharisees, did not see Him for who He was. But they saw a threat to their power and to their rule. So a little side note on this. As I was uh, researching some of the uh, things going on at this time, um, if you were to sacrifice a lamb on the altar at the Passover week, it had to be spotless, blemish-free. The lambs that were sacrificed at that time, if you thought of any blemish on there, it was not worthy for God. So now, Jesus is, rising, is riding into Jerusalem. These questions, we look at these questions as they're questioning His authority. We look at these questions as the Sadducees and the Pharisees just wondering who He was and really trying to trip Him up. But this was all part of God's plan because the Lamb was to be inspected. He was to be checked for any spot or any blemish. And these questions came to Him. These were the hard questions that they couldn't answer. So they were looking for that blemish. They were looking for Him to trip up. (laughs) But praise the Lord, there was no faults. There was no blemish in the Lamb that was to be sacrificed. So the multiple questions that came to Him, if you're reading through verses before and verses after what we're looking at today, it actually writes in there that they were astonished at the way He answered those questions. And things weren't getting any better for him. First, the Sadducees asked some questions. And the Pharisees were probably pretty happy because they weren't a big fan of the Sadducees. It's two different groups and what they believed. So they were pretty happy with what was going on when the uh, Sadducees were were answered and Jesus kind of put them down a little bit. So then the, the Pharisees came up, the lawyer, and asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment under the law? So this question could have went in so many different directions. Because if we look into the law, we see there's 613 commandments. 248 of them are positive. 365 of them are negative. So in other words, 248's, yeah, you should do this. And 365's, no. Uh, This is not good. Thou shalt not do these. So then Jesus answers with part of what's called the Shema. The Shema is a Hebrew word meaning to hear. And our deacon scripture today read part of the Shema earlier. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. So Shema meaning to hear, it starts right out. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your, our God, the Lord is one. They would read that out loud so everybody would hear and understand. But then they would recite quietly, a little bit longer, but here's Jesus' answer that He gave. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. These words, all the Jewish people would have heard and understood and recognized because they were said every day, twice a day, by devout Jews Jesus added one very important um, point, though, to this. On these two commands, this one being the first, hang all the law and the prophets. All the law hangs on this, so 
I don't need 613 rules. I can just follow this one. Well, kind of. This one begins the foundation of our relationship with Christ. With God Himself. Understanding who He is and what He has done. But not only that, I mean, kind of easy. I'm taking 613, throwing them out, and just paying attention to this one. If we're honest, this one is not easy to live up to. It can be a daunting task. How can we do it? What does that look like? We have been separated from God by our sins. And now Jesus, reciting Moses, are saying, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So let's take a look at this. All of our heart. How can we love with all of our heart? Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then we turn around and we see in Matthew 15.19 that for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. So I'm loving with all my heart. I'm loving with all my heart in this. Well, in Matthew 15:19 I'm sorry in Matthew 6:21 it says for out for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and then Matthew 12:24b says for out of the abundance the heart the mouth speaks so out of our abundance so out of our heart is where our treasure is so we see these verses up here who's telling us our heart is desperately sick it's it's just full of bad things but we can retrain it we can understand we can put other things in that place because matthew then points out where our treasure is there your heart will be also also these are generally speaking of emotion or it becomes reactionary when we are driven by our heart we have placed inside us something that's important. What have you placed important into your life? We may become comfortable with something. Something that we placed inside us that we are just comfortable with and we react upon that. Where It's happened over the years where we, we've actually maybe become a little bit lazy to our actions. So for example, we get angry at work. And we start to join people in that are around us because they're angry too. Maybe some foul language will slip out of the mouth just to show how angry you are. Or how about stress and anxiety building up inside you because your schedules are overlapping. I can't make all these demands in my life. Or how about I'm just simply placing too many expectations on myself and they don't match reality. All this stuff can build stress and it'll push out what's in your heart. So we have to learn what to put in our heart. All of a sudden, with all this stuff going on in your life, do you feel depressed? Do you feel like just maybe running to junk food to make yourself feel better? Maybe you run to healthy food, right? I mean, healthy food's good. Not if we're replacing God with what we're running to. We have to not seek immediate satisfaction with what the world offers, but seek God and the rest and the comfort He offers. So next, our soul is what we are commanded to, to love with next. So what is our soul? And really, how do we do that? 
I like, there's a few versions that I like. Genesis 2-7 was written like this. And it said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in the nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Our soul is made up of the spiritual and the physical. In other words, it's our whole being. And some of the versions that I've read, actually a lot of the ones that we like to use, really have it written, the man became a living being. So our living being and our soul tends to be the same words used throughout the Bible. Our actions need to show our love for God. The way we act, our living being, our spiritual side, reaching out to God, the way we act, our desires, the things we act upon, we want to show that we love and desire God more than our worldly things. But what we're devoted to is what we're going to feed. Our actions are going to be leading towards what we are devoted to. A great example of this is sports, right? Right now we see it. Uh, Athletes, they spend an enormous amount of time, their whole life training for a 10-minute spotlight to win that gold medal or some trophy. Super Bowl weekend, we talked about that already. So if you watch, you will see a stadium full of people devoted to their passion. Now before I go on, that's not totally wrong. Not everybody in that stadium is devoted to that but I would tend to say more than not are. This runs their life. And think about it. If we loved God as much as we love that sport, any sport, a car, our kids, our spouse, or even money, how much of your time and effort would be devoted to Him? So next we look at our mind. Our mind is how we think and reason. Our thoughts should be on God at all times. But what consumes our thoughts? How will I accomplish a task? Where do I go from here? If I do a certain thing, will the outcome, what will the outcome be? And where does it leave me for next? I'm constantly thinking and planning and moving forward. I want the best possible outcome to happen. There's nothing wrong with that. Whether the task is great Like planning a trip for the family, a summer vacation takes multiple thoughts, multiple actions, putting that together. Or how about a small task I'm thinking about and planning? I just want to get a drink of water. I want to go get a glass. The things we're always thinking, we're always reasoning. So now comes in the commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So another little rabbit trail here. If we go into this, these verses, these words are mentioned three times in the Bible. We saw them in Deuteronomy. We're seeing them here in Matthew. And then Mark shows too. But what I think is amazing about the ones in Mark is the scribe answers afterwards, well said, you are correct. And I'm just thinking about that. He just let God know he's right. Uh, okay, I'm pretty sure they have no idea who they're talking to right now. So anyway, I've stated some things that maybe each and every one of us runs to. Think about your life. Think about the things you run to in your life. But God calls us to love Him. 
So are you running to your things? Is a world replacing God? Do we really love God? So I have two points here to help us become centered on God more than this. First and foremost, this is going to sound so cliche all the time. This is what we hear. Read the Bible. And it's so true. How do you know what God expects from you personally? Personally, if you're not reading the Bible. And yes, I said personally. We dive into the Bible. We read God's Word and it speaks to us. God's Word shows us where we are missing the point. God's Word shows us where we know the point. God's Word talks to us, builds us, builds us into that individual that God wants us to be. So, Again, I'm going to sound like a broken record up here, but I cannot say it enough. Read, 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 read your Bible. Read parts of it. Read a little bit of it. Read a lot of bit of it. Just start reading your Bible. And you know what? There's one preacher that really stuck out that I stole this from, and I'm going to tell you his name right now. I'm going to tell you who I'm stealing this information from. All of them. Every preacher I've ever heard says, read your Bible. It's just over and over. And it's such a foundational core to what we believe and how we act and how we grow that I cannot stress enough that the Bible is so important to read. And we so easily dismiss time in God's Word. So love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind means that you have to fill that with things of God, and the Bible is where you find it. So the second point, I don't want to spend a lot of time on reading the Bible. I know you've heard it over and over. I beg of you to do it. And this is where the second point comes in, is taking your thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians 10.5 just points it out so well. So start a change. Start a change today. Taking in the thoughts that you have and making sure they're aligned with God Just doing something different today than you have yesterday is the the key to get the ball rolling. It doesn't have to be great things. You don't have to walk out of here today saying, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. Most of the time, if it's the first thing you're doing, it's not going to end well. I pray it does. I pray that's a goal. I pray you're motivated into that. But just start out with something simple. Make a change. God will direct if you're changing towards Him. If we're making a mistake, if we're not doing the exact right thing, God can steer you as long as you're moving. One of the things I love to say, what a great analogy is, God can't steer a parked car. If you're waiting for Him to move, He wants you to take the first step. We look at the Israelites as they were bringing the ark to the River Jordan. They had to step into the raging water before God cleared a path. That's all God's asking for you. Take that step in faith. Move out. He will help direct your paths. He will clear the way. He will make things understandable. He will make things easy. 
So if you are a strong Christian and you've been doing this all the time, look for a weakness. Where do you falter? Read God's Word. Help Him point it out to you. And then attack it just by doing something different. A little bit different today will make a big difference in the future. So if you are a Sunday, I come to church Christian, then just do something different. Right? If you have idols, if things are taking you away, if you walk out this door and other things pull you into the busyness of this world, distractions, self-desires, start breaking down the very walls that drive you towards them. This is part of the foundation this whole building is built around. Reading the Bible is a cornerstone. It's, it has to happen. You cannot identify things unless you have a good cornerstone. Any builder will tell you a cornerstone holds up the whole foundation. And then the foundation is what your house is built upon. So if my cornerstone is reading the Bible, then how about the way I think about God is the foundational walls that builds up our Bible studies, that builds up our evangelism, that builds up anything we move forward for. Rightful thinking, thinking the way God is, is the foundation that comes from the Bible that builds the rest of our house. And I'm telling you, a strong foundation will weather any storm, any disaster. So how does this show? How do you know somebody has? What are some of the fruits that could come from this? Well, there's a light that starts to appear when you do better thinking, when you do rightful thinking, when you put God first in your life. And that light draws people to you. And guess what? You can evangelize better at work because people ask you questions and you don't even know why instead of having to start the conversation. You can just be part of the conversation. By the way, that's the right part of the conversation. So how about a generous giver at church? It will start driving the way you give. It'll start driving the importance of your checkbook. It's been said so many times, you want to see what's important to somebody. Look through their checkbook, or nowadays their debit card transactions, and you'll see where your money's spent. Righteous, holy, and generous given. It helps the church support local ministries that we do right around here. It supports um, um, the ministries abroad. We, we give so much money out to North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board. This is a percentage of our giving. So the more you give, the more they get. This is not a set goal that we have every week. Every week the goal is based on what it comes in. And that is all all based on you. How about volunteering for things at church? Rightful thinking can get me more motivated to be involved in the work of God. Being helpers or maybe even a teacher for Sunday school classes and teaching our kids to grow in the knowledge of Christ. Or how about VBS is coming up to be able to be involved with something as simple as just being a prayer partner to something as extravagant as I want to corral a bunch of kids. Good luck with that. But still, help. Get involved. 
And then other ministries. We have Bethesda. We have Keystone. We have the racetrack ministry. We have so much going on at this church. That rightful thinking, that reading the Bible will draw you naturally into wanting to help. And I know this sounds daunting because the world's grabbing time. Things are busy and we just have to manage our time. But God wants to. God wants to help us in that. And that's where the love comes in. So the foundational wall for this, again, is rightful thinking. It takes time, though. This won't happen overnight. We don't expect everyone to run out of here, although God can make it happen and just dive into a ministry and we're overwhelmed. We can do more ministries. We can't do enough to help the community. That, could, that would be an amazing thing that could happen. But God wants to build you. God doesn't want to just wave the magic wand and you magically change. He wants to build you. He wants to strengthen you. Again, if a foundation goes up quick, there's probably a problem with it. But if we build through it and we learn how to place each block where God truly desires it to be, then our foundation will be strong. So this will take time. And you know what? We have years of training from the world. The world constantly bombarding us with what they feel is right. They're constantly arguing for time for them. So when we were doing our James study, those of you who are part of that can remember, it was pointed out that if you watch TV, listen to the radio, and do anything on social media, the world is telling how inadequate you are 300 times a day. And this is an average person. So if you're one of those who really dives into it, if you're a TV watcher, it's just more than that. How inadequate you are because, you know, you don't have the best car. You don't have the best phone. You don't look a certain way. It's just constantly bombarding you. And then we start to believe that. God's Word tells us otherwise. Again, reading the Bible, diving in, retraining the way we think. But over how many years have we not had that? It's not going to happen overnight. One small step is all you're looking for. If you obsess over these things, then the world will define you. They will take a little bit of God's glory from you. All these things of the world can satisfy temporarily, but only God gives true contentment. So how do I get to think rightly? All my examples above describe very easily traps to fall into. Well, first, you have to decide, do you truly love God? Is God what you want to follow? Is God doing the right thing for you? You have to decide that. That is something you need to decide on your own. If you say yes, well, there's a verse out there that says, let your yes be yes. Stand by your yes. Mean yes. Take a stand. Take the first step to seek things from above. Listen to John as he preaches through the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' longest sermon recorded in the Bible. And as John has said, gives us a look into Jesus' character. Try, actually try to do what Jesus asks of us. So here's a little example. Today, maybe you don't read the Bible. So tomorrow, how about look up one small verse and recite it for a week? Okay, you only made it three days. So next week, try for four. Just a little difference. 
Finally, you've recited that verse for a week. Move on to another verse and another week. After a few weeks, maybe, hey, there's daily devotions. We have books out there that do daily devotions. Stand firm, journey, men and women's type. Um, um, open door, there's uh, the uh, um, daily bread that you can do also. We have a Bible app for those of you who like phones, where you can access these devotions right on your phone each and every day. So there, I'm doing, I decided to do a devotion. I'm horrible at keeping up with this devotion. I'm not doing it every day. I only see maybe four out of seven days that I'm actually even reading a little bit of it. We have soap groups that can help hold you accountability. Women have soap groups. Men also, where we can just email each other a little bit of the daily devotion and what it means to you and how it stands out. This can help build a great pattern in your life. Okay, so now we're doing daily devotions. Next, maybe read a chapter in the Bible. Ooh, I'm taking a little time. I'm spending a little more time. I saw great truths in the little memorization or the little time I spent with one verse each week. Then I saw a little bit better growth when I saw a little bit in each devotion. And then, now maybe I want to dive into these chapters and understand context a little more and see what God is really teaching. And this just takes time to build. You can see how over time this can build a desire in your heart. If you are consistent and dedicated to it, it'll work. God is renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind, it's been told in some studies, it can take two to three years. So don't be discouraged. There will be setbacks. There will be failure. You'll make it all the way through. You'll get up to the point where you're reading the chapter in the Bible and all of a sudden the world was going to throw something busy at you. You're going to get sidetracked and you might fall back a couple weeks. You might fall back in your devotions. But just pick yourself up and... Try again. Move off from where you left off. Don't quit. Don't say it's too hard. Things seem worse for a time, but persevere through the struggle. That foundation is becoming more and more solid each and every day through the failures. Remember Isaiah 26.3, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind stayed on you because He trusts in you. So let's take one more look at the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. If we read the Bible and change our thinking, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, change our thinking into doing something different, we can see love with all your heart. Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. So as we build that foundation, as we read, as we pour into our heart, it starts changing from those wicked ways that it so desires into the issues of life. Look at Jeremiah 29.13, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So as we move through our small little changes, our heart grows closer and closer. And right here in Jeremiah, it says we will find God. How awesome is that? That's something people seek each and every day. And here's Jeremiah saying, seek Him. 
and you will find Him. Do you feel far from God? Seek with all your heart. Do something different to seek Him differently than what you've been doing. So next, love with all your soul. Your whole being. Proverbs 13.4 The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of a diligent shall be made rich. Stick to it. Try harder. Do something different. If it didn't work this way while you were going through it, change the way you do it. Just try something different. Allow God to direct your paths. Psalm 139.14 I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows very well. How awesome is it to just sit and praise God? When we're singing during our worship service, do you really get your praise on? How freeing and joyous are you at that moment? It can consume your whole being. Do something different. Praise Him more. How about be thankful for something with your whole being? Next, love with all your mind. This part of the command is different than the first two. In the first two, we have to train ourselves to react and act differently. So when things come at us, life comes at us, we respond rightly. Our mind is different because it is under our control. Our thought process and our decision making is all on us. No one can make you think a certain way. We choose what we think. We, have made, we may have become prideful, self-sufficient, or even reliant on others, but we choose that. We choose to stay angry. We choose to hate. We choose to ignore. We choose to love. We choose to comfort. We choose what direction our mind goes. Colossians 3.2 Set your mind on things above. Philippians 2, 4 and 5. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're being told how to think. We need to choose rightly. So, as we take this greatest commandment in and internalize it to what Jesus is saying here, we can look at Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. The God created everything. The God who created everything wants to direct your paths. The God who wrote the instruction book of life wants you to love Him and He will direct your paths. Psalm 139.16 Your God's eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Love Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He knows who you are. He has great plans for you. Take a step in faith. Do something different. So, Christian, how can this be? How do I love Him greater? 
one step at a time. We are broken because we are sinner. Our sin does not make us sinners. We're already sinners. So when, not if, but when we fail, mess up, or just plain falter, pick yourself up, run to Jesus, and seek His forgiveness, which, by the way, He already has. Fall in His arms and start moving forward again. Matt Chandler said many times in his James, throughout his James study, it's about progress, not perfection. We live in a broken world. Being like Jesus is a goal we will never reach until He returns. But it is a goal worth striving for. Each and every day, strive to be a little more like Jesus. As Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will not stumble. If you're here today and you do not have that personal relationship with Jesus, then all of this, I'm afraid to say, is impossible for you. You do not live for a God you do not know. How do you desire to love something you don't trust in? The world will show you ways to be satisfied, but Jesus will fill your heart so you don't thirst anymore. He is the ultimate satisfaction. You don't need to try to make yourself better to come to the altar before Him. He died for us while we were yet sinners. He knew what He was getting. And He still wants it. (laughs) If you feel Him calling, don't hold back. Today can be your day. Today can be the day Jesus enters your heart. If you want to learn more about this, you can come talk to me after the service or talk to a member here at East Shore Baptist Church. We can open God's Word and show you who this Jesus is and what He did for you. Then you can love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind.